Hi Pomcats! If you know anything about the pom-pom team, you know that we enjoy making things. Whether we're knitting or sewing, we want to have fun. And part of that means having tools that are as beautifully designed as the yarn, fabric and patterns we're using. Thanks to Coco Knits, we can find the tools we want and accessories to keep them organised. Coco Knits' mission is to design beautiful, functional tools and knitting patterns for makers all over the world so they may delight in making. And we think they've been very successful in that mission. They believe every part of the creative process should be an enjoyable experience. And you know what is enjoyable, Lydia? I love that Coco Knits tools cling to magnets. Ooh! Yeah. Their Maker's Keep is a strong magnet on a slap bracelet. And their new Maker's Board is a foldable pattern stand with really strong magnets. So, I mean, that's really cool. And both are perfect for keeping your tools close at hand. Uh, so they can hold your stitch markers, row counters, cable needles, anything, you know, throw that on a magnet. It's great. You can really tell that Coco Knits uh, tools and accessories are made for knitters by knitters because um, they're so well designed with uh, making in mind. And they also have accessories made from durable and washable craft paper fabric, which are great gifts for knitters and non-knitters in your life. Like the craft caddy and accessory roll, which can help you organise all those little bits. You know, there's always lots of little bits with knitting um, that you collect in tote bags, project bags or your purse. You can just hold everything from your yarn snips and the overstory hat you're working on to your lip balm and current library book. Overstory, great project from issue 38. And I don't know about you, Lydia, but I care about the environment. And Coco Knits do too. They carefully consider the environmental impact and sustainability of every product they design and package. Their packaging is reusable and recyclable, thank goodness. And many of their products can be recycled or composted. Uh, this is like their tape measures, needle gauges, and their colourful magnets, which are all made with PLA, which is a plastic-free material made from fermented plant material. I think that's really cool. They're thoughtful in so many different ways. And so if you'd like to learn more about Coconuts, you can find their products in a local yarn store near you or at coconuts.com. And very excitingly and generously, our listeners, that's you, that's the Pomcats, uh, can get a dollar off a knitting pattern from coconuts.com by using the code POMCAST at checkout. That's coconuts, C-O-C-O-K-N-I-T-S dot com and the offer code POMCAST, P-O-M-C-A-S-T, at checkout for a dollar off a Coconuts knitting pattern. Thanks, Coconuts, for sponsoring this episode. Hello! Hi, welcome back. This is POMCAST. I'm Sophie Heath-Scott and I'm joined by... Lydia Clark. Hi, Sophie. Hi. Well, let's just blow the dust off these microphones because... <laughs> uh, been a hot minute since uh, we've been on the podcast game. How you doing? Pretty good. Yeah, just brushing away these cobwebs. Um, but the spiders are all safe and sound. They're fine. They'll just make new ones in a less inconvenient location. Nice. That's a nice uh, little message to start with. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, not bad. Excited to be back on the uh, the Pompas train. Boop, boop. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it feels very good to be back after really quite a long time. Yeah, and we hope you are doing well. Uh, fellow listeners, fellow POMCATs, we are back with the POMCAST and a more regular listening schedule. So we will now be releasing this podcast every two weeks on a Friday. So mark your calendars, however you uh, like to keep track of those podcast things. 
and we hope that you'll enjoy this uh, regular podcasting. We're sort of going with a little and often remedy for podcasting. Yeah, so you'll notice that um, the podcast will be more frequent, as Sophie said. Um, and we're going to try and alternate our interview episodes with uh, what we like to fondly call Knit Chat episodes. Knit chat. Although, of course, Knit Chat will feature... In most episodes, let's be honest, um, since we are knit chat types. So this first episode that we're coming back with is an interview one. Indeed. Uh, welcoming you back by settling into the dulcet tones of Gudrun Johnson. Uh, we're chatting to her about Shetland Trader Book 3 Heritage. When I say we, that's the Royal Pomcast we. You had to uh, <laughs> dip out of the interview. So it's just me and Gudrun, but you were there in spirit, of course. Indeed, yes. I was very sorry not to be able to uh, join the chat, but I do get to listen to the chat, as will our lovely listeners. So, you know, that's that's not a bad deal. This is, uh, you're welcoming the podcast just as much as the people listening. Like, oh, great, there's a, there's a great interview I could listen yeah. to. I'll just uh, download that before I uh, head out. Yeah, exactly. But yes, yeah, so it's uh, Shetland Trader Book 3 Heritage and Gudrun Johnston, of course, the designer behind Shetland Trader. Um, we've got some key facts to start out with, as Sophie has helpfully labelled them. Um, so the we book do. is... <laughs> this is so planned, guys. Even that little... this me saying this, this is uh, scheduled. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm reading yeah. from a script right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, so key facts of uh, Shetland Trader Book 3 include that there are 11 patterns... That's a pretty reasonable quantity of patterns. And in, in those patterns, there are many uh, garments, which is very exciting. We have garments and accessories. The book's available to pre-order now, now in the sense of you listening now, and uh, be available in your local yarn shop, wherever you buy your books uh, from the 14th of October. Really nice getting into that autumnal vibe of knitting. I think this book does lend itself to that with the beautiful Shetland vibe, the Fair Isle. This is a lot of tradition in this book, uh, which you'll know Gudrun, if you know Gudrun's uh, styles, she does lean heavily on her Shetland roots and uh, traditional techniques. But uh, this book is taking her mum's design. So her mum had a knitwear company, which is where Gudrun takes her name as a designer, as a, as a logo, her company. And this book is all about Gudrun researching those and translating and updating them for the contemporary knitter. Yeah, so um, obviously this book, as Sophie said, has a very interesting story, which I'll let Gudrun uh tell the bulk of of course um but also the book itself contains a lot of really interesting writing and kind of uh behind the scenes or, or yeah the history of the book itself and of Gudrun's relationship to knitwear and her mum's company so it's a really wonderful kind of combination of these lovely patterns and the story behind them also, if you really wanted to uh, get the full Gudrun experience, you could listen to the podcast we recorded with her from 2014, <laughs> which, oh is my gosh. Pod which is Podcast 6. And a nice coincidence with this recording, when we spoke to her in 2014, she was actually visiting Shetland. Mm. And uh, for this recording, she's also in Shetland. She lives in the US, uh, I say normally. What is normal these days? Um, but yes, that's home for her at the moment. So it was nice that she was visiting family in Shetland again and we met up digitally to record that episode. Indeed. 
And so before we go into the interview, let's just do a quick top picks or which which will is on top of your two knit list for Shetland Trader Soph. Yeah, which to choose from this gorgeous selection of patterns? Well, I really like uh, Willapund, which is a great name. Uh, it's the name of a lock. That's where it comes from. And uh, in Shetland. And uh, that's a feral vest. And when I say vest, I think of a vest, I think of a sleeveless sweater or a jumper. You know, no sleeves. Like a tank top, you know? Many, many words for the same thing. I think it's that quintessential feral look where you've got that beautiful colour work across your chest all round. And I don't know, I'd like to wear a little vest tank top like that and feel like I was some sort of head gardener of a uh, stately home. I love that for you. <laughs> <laughs> Just go around with a nice green watering can, but that's, that's my own uh, fantasy there. And I really love um, Samora, which is the beret, or, or you can make it as a beanie. How versatile is that hat, which has this gorgeous like crown of feral. I'm going to be saying feral a lot because that's uh, the vibe. And there's always Samora to have in this book. Oh, that was good. <laughs> I didn't, you know, I did like, I do actually like it. I didn't just choose it because of the pun, but uh, I've just got to work that in there. So. But the pun is the cherry on top, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Excellent choices. I mean, there are no bad choices here, of course. Um, but the two that I have chosen as top of my two-knit list from this book are um, Maywick, which is a kind of razor shell lace jumper uh with an all over lace pattern yeah i just i feel like it's just so i could imagine choosing colors for this being so fun um and also that it would be it's quite good you know because it's because it's lace it's not as dense maybe but i imagine it like traps a lot of air and will keep you nice and cozy but could also be quite good for kind of layering um, and when you say razor shell, I'm just picturing that, if people don't know the book, it's sort of, it's like a zigzag lace almost, isn't it? Indeed, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good point. And you often see it, um, if you are familiar with Gudrun's work, you might have seen it on kind of hap designs, hap shawls, traditional um, Shetland shawl designs. Um, so it's quite a classic. And I've done kind of that style of lace before, and it's quite a, it's one that you kind of get into the rhythm of. I find quite quickly like it's a quite a good memorable repeat which makes it although you're knitting lace it kind of it's got this nice like um, I'm making wave like motions with my hands yes, that no one can yes, see great see. great radio <laughs> going back into the podcast yeah. so it kind of looks like this which my hands are doing <laughs> but yeah so that that is one of my picks and then the other pick I've gone for Snarrowness uh, which is the kind of kerchief slash headscarf pattern yeah it's like a kind of open lace design and Gudrun points out that her mum would often wear a headscarf like that and I just think it looks really cute and I love the you know it's styled in both ways so you can see in the book as a headscarf and as a kerchief and yeah I just think it's like a really cute little like I mean it's a sort of yes stylish item but also kind of keeps you warm but quite small maybe a good way to use up a smaller quantity of of yarn or you could just keep knitting and make it more into a shawl I think so I think it's quite versatile in that way I think I've never made anything uh with the goal of it being a kerchief or headscarf before in knitting form I mean so I feel like that would be a nice thing to try Mm, excellent well all these uh patterns we've mentioned all the other ones as well are available to view on the pom-pom blog and via Ravelry if that's where you like to look at your patterns as well 
and as we said it's available to pre-order on the Pom Pom website now and we'll have all the exciting things we've talked about in this podcast on the show notes which you can also find on the Pom Pom blog. Indeed we will so I think that we probably all that's left to say now is that we hope you enjoy this interview and thanks again to Gudrun for first of all designing wonderful things and having and working with us um, as her publisher we're so honoured to to be publishing her work and we can't wait for you all to see it so over to you Soph chatting to Gudrun all right over to me Welcome. Good morning, Gudrun. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. I'm so happy to have you back on the podcast. We were just saying how it was, uh, it's been many a year since you've been on and it's so nice to welcome you back. Yes, that's right. In 2014, um, we did that episode and I was up in Shetland then. I can't remember what time of the year it was when we did it. I don't know if I was here for Wool Week or, you know, something or, yeah, in the summer. Um, but I do remember recording that in my dad's um, sitting room area and keeping everybody out of there for that for that time period. Um, I'm in a slightly more um, secluded location, um, still at his house, but he built a garage um, space which kind of has a spare room and stuff like that. So it's kind of completely separate from the house. So it's nice and quiet. And nobody will disturb me. <laughs> Wonderful. A, a secluded spot in Shetland. Who would think it exists? But... <laughs> I know. <laughs> I feel like it's nice to set the scene of where people are. Can you, can you see anything uh, out of this window, out of the, uh, the, the repurposed recording studio you have? <laughs> well, currently at the window that I'm looking at, I see the back side of my dad's um, croft cottage. So he did this up in um, probably around, I think he got it in 2000 four or five something like that and it was you know he'd been lived in for a long time and he did a lot of work um so he's you know been working on it for years and years and he's got a lot of stone walls like around the property that he's always kind of redoing it's it's his one of his passions and hobbies um and planting so I can see some of the sort of shrubs and things like that that he's put up because it's a bit protected in that area because as you can imagine things get blasted um here so you kind of need walls and nooks and things like that to protect the plants um so funnily enough I can't see the the sea from this particular window but normally from the rest of the house yeah he's right right by the water so it's just um sea views all the time yeah wonderful what a what a lovely picture to paint of where you are in the world that's so nice and I'm, I always love it when we get these conversations and sort of yeah not only is that the magic of the podcast, but then, you know, the magic of uh, technology, where we are. Yes. So where we are today, we're talking about Shetland Trader book three. Congratulations. The pre-order's just gone live on the Pom website. <laughs> so excited. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting to sort of have the setting of Shetland for this conversation. And we have talked about Shetland Trader and... The, the process behind your designs and obviously your mom is so important in this. Um, I guess where I wanted to start with was what does the Shetland Trader mean for you and where does that story start for you? Um, I think for me it starts when I had my very first design published 
and that was with nitty.com so probably 2007-ish something like that and I did not have a knitting blog at the time and um, Amy Singer who runs nitty.com said to me well you'll you should set up a blog and you know people will want to know more about you and you know so it was really kind of having to suddenly go, okay, I need a knitting blog. Um, what will I call it? And going, oh yeah, you know, there's that business that my mum had um, called the Shetland Trader. And um, at that point, my parents had already retired back to Shetland. So I was already establishing that reconnection um, with, with Shetland, but also with the knitting traditions. And I was, you know, kind of just starting to get into design at that point. Um, but I was already kind of, finding that the the traditions here in Shetland were having an influence on me or I wanted to explore those more. So it felt quite natural to say, you know, that would be a good name for the blog. And then that just kind of ended, you know, evolved into being the business name, you know, alongside just my own personal name. But um, the use of that name was, yeah, at that, that was the starting point. For me, um, when my mum ran the business, I was very young, so I don't have a memory of her, you know, actually running the business at that stage in Shetland. Um, so I was only, well, I was a baby and then up to the age of five in Shetland and then my parents left and that's when my mum sold the business. So, you know, I always, I knew she had done it and I knew, you know, she had this folder with all these documents and photos and things like that which she had kept and um, probably right around about that time that I started designing my parents gave me that folder you know of my mum's photographs and of her designs and things like that so I've I've had that in my possession for a long time and um, you know really over the years just kind of taken more and more interest in it and sort of learned more about it basically. That's wonderful. Um, I'd love to hear more about this idea of heritage, which is, you know, to give the book the full title, The Shetland Trader Book Three, Heritage. Um, what does it mean and how does it influence the work? Because you're talking about this um, this special folder of designs that you have of your mum's and uh, sort of that obviously started the process of the story. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it has a sort of twofold meaning. I had... Um self-published two books before this one which were just called the Shetland Trader book one and book two but for this I wanted a special title because it's based on my mum's designs from the 70s um, here in Shetland and so I mean it was in in a way tricky to come up with just you know a word that sort of encapsulates that obviously but I liked heritage because there's the the inheritance that I have received from her in terms of just the physical aspect of um, of that folder of you know images and the original brochures that she had when she was running the business, things like that, and some of the knitwear. A lot of it, you know, I don't have, but there are pieces of knitwear as well that I inherited from her. So, um, so it's partly that, but then it's also for me this cultural heritage um, connection as well, because it's also about me reconnecting and finding my my place and voice you know in Shetland knitwear traditions and um my mum was not a Shetlander you know she was she was an outsider in the sense that you know she was she was from England um it's my dad's side of the family that has the 
the family from Shetland. So my, my great grandparents um, are from here. So she came in very much as a sort of newcomer and, you know, carved her own niche at the time. And um, it's a little bit different for me in that, yes, you know, I do have that that cultural heritage as well. And I, over these years of designing and, you know, a lot of my design has been um, influenced, obviously, heavily by Shetland knitting traditions. And um, I feel like it is partly in my blood or something too. So using that term heritage, yeah, it's sort of partly what my mum gave me in way of these designs and and partly kind of what I have inherited from being from Shetland, um, essentially. It seems like a very powerful word. Like it seems mm. like a very strong foundation and, uh, you know, family thing that you're pulling from for this book then. Yeah, very much so. And, you know, and there, I mean, there are other members of my family involved in putting this book together. But also when my mum ran the business, um, my grandmother did, you know, some of the illustrations for her brochures. And, you know, there were, yes, sort of family involved at that time, too. Um, and yes, those those connections um, go way back, really. Did you find anything sort of going through this process of research and uh you're a real sort of investigator into the the process of because your mum's designs um you know you were saying in the books they're not they're not written as knitting patterns they were sort of outsourced for production so you're sort of being a you know a, a knit detective mm -hmm. in these this process a little bit was there anything that was sort of uh surprising or difficult as you were sort of uh or you know sort of something that sort of challenged you as you kind of came across this process yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that anything was challenging. Um, maybe what was what was challenging was kind of whittling it down to, you know, what I was going to include in the book, because she had so many different things, you know, um, a lot of kids stuff that she designed as well as the adult stuff. So um, having to kind of you go, OK, well, this is all I'm going to focus on right now um, was a little bit difficult, especially as I would discover other things. And um, I would say that you know, this book has been a long time in the making in the sense that, you know, it was kind of an idea that was just burning, percolating for a long time before I was actually getting down to the sort of nitty gritty of doing it. Um, and during that process, I have been visiting Shetland every year, you know, um, usually for several weeks at a time. And what has been really rewarding is every time I'm here, there's another sort of piece of the puzzle, if you like, that is added, or there's another piece of knitwear that shows up somewhere in Shetland, like I'll be going to, you know, an exhibition of knitwear or a museum here or something like that. And there have been times when I've walked in and been like, whoa, that's, that's one of mums. And I've never seen that sweater before or whatever. And um, there was one time that happened when we were running a knitting trip. And we went to the textile museum here in Shetland. And there was um, a small curated um, exhibition that Ella Gordon had put on, actually, about uh, knitwear businesses that were being run in the 70s. And so the textile museum apparently had one of my mum's sweaters, which she included in this exhibition. But I, I had never seen it before. And I was quite kind of emotionally, you know, um, responsive to seeing that because, you know, I didn't I didn't know that it was going to be in there. And. So there have been lots of things like that along the way. Um, 
and also just you know when I was more thoroughly getting down to it and working on the book and looking at all of the stuff in her folder as well you know I was looking at it with a different set of eyes because I was trying to figure out well you know how will I construct this part you know for a hand knitter because anything that was plain stocking net was done on a machine um, and I would make discoveries that way as well by looking at at pieces and um, there was one image um, which I had always assumed was like an entire dress and it was kind of you know like a turtleneck with balloon sleeves and floor length and I thought it was one piece but then kind of looking more closely at the description because the brochures all had you know they were labeled and they had descriptions of what the pieces were you know it was actually three separate pieces and um, so you know lots of discoveries like that which just all you know contributed to um, to the process and was sort of yeah was uh, was rewarding and also um, speaking to people who remembered you know my mum running the business or or knitters here in Shetland that had some kind of connection either they had knit for her or you know their aunt or grandmother had you know knit for her um, so again I think there's there's still more of those stories to come you know um, which is really nice to think that yeah um, I'll continue to sort of find out more um about that it's not it's not all done you know <laughs> yeah I love the word that you use rewarding to sort of have that like piece fall into the puzzle to then find you know the next design and I imagine that's very you know you say it's very emotional to sort of come across these pieces as well yes and um and actually I didn't mention but the the two sort of um sweaters that I which it was 2014 actually again that I got these from Wendy Inkster um she runs a business here in Shetland called Borough Bears where she repurposes old sweaters into these keepsake bears um which is a really you know great thing to do um but then I found out that she had these two sweaters that I had only ever seen photos of before and they're very unique the the sweater I'm talking about is on the cover of the book and I went with my dad to her studio. I hadn't met her before at that point. Um, and just, you know, was I had to see these sweaters in person, you know, and they still had the label. And so she knew about the Shetland Trader as well. And she knew how special they were. So she had no intention of ever cutting them up into bears or anything like that. Um, but she gave them to me. And that was definitely sort of, that was the point at which I was like, okay, I definitely have to do something with these designs of my mom's because they are so unique and they never wear patterns. And um, they're pretty timeless in that sense, you know, that there's lots of people who would love all those, you know, 70s aesthetic. And um, so that was really the, yeah, the main kind of point at which I was sort of certain about doing, doing the book and doing a collection. Um, and yes, you know, obviously, I still have those sweaters. It's, you know, um, a special thing to, you know, have them in my possession and and like you say yeah it's it's been a very personal project and um definitely emotional at times and maybe that's been the challenging part in some ways because my mum passed away from alzheimer's in 2017 um but you know for a long period before that it wasn't really like i could i couldn't directly ask her about this you know um so it's been really nice to kind of reconnect um with her or sort of you know think about her um whilst I'm working on this book and imagine you know what that was like for her running this business and you know at the same time as having four small kids and you know um just had a lot going on 
Um, so yeah, but and again, that that has been that has felt rewarding to do that, you know. Um, yeah. Well, it, it's it's a beautiful tribute to your mum, a tribute to her designs and her her family and this this. Um, yeah, a tribute is the most fitting word I would say. It is. Yeah. It is, and I, you know, for the rest of my family, they they get something out of this as well. You know, like just this recognition, like you say, of something that she did and was very good at and had, you know, she just had a really, you know, good eye and aesthetic for this stuff. And it was very successful when she was running it, you know, and for various reasons, they left Shetland. But um, yeah, the business itself, you know, did well um, while she was running it. And, um, and she's left some really distinctive designs behind, you know, and people should see those. <laughs> Indeed, indeed they should. Um, well, I was sort of asking about uh, a challenge in this process, and I think I'd like to. This it seems like a it's a constant uh, reminder for us all. But creating and producing a book during the pandemic, of course, that set up its own challenges for you. And I think it's I find it interesting how books get made. But now I think there's this other experience that we've all had producing and creating a book with this challenge. Can you speak of uh, your experience? making this yeah I mean because I had been working on it for quite a long time um it was really hard to have you know everything just kind of um pulled out from under you you know with the pandemic because I was literally you know a day away from getting on a plane um to London for the photo shoot and I had all the samples I'd yeah. packed them yeah, and everything <laughs> yeah and then I was sitting there going oh I, this doesn't feel good. Like, I really don't think I should be traveling right now. And, you know, as you know, made the decision not to go. But then this limbo period for weeks after that, kind of not knowing or hoping that maybe just in a few months time, we could resume things. And um, so certainly for those in early weeks, it just almost felt like that door was just kind of closed. And I wasn't even really thinking about it. But it was obviously disappointing not to not to have had that experience and, and come to London and my daughter was going to be coming and she was going to model and, you know, all these things. Um, so it definitely, you know, it did require recalibrating. And at the point at which, you know, we realized that, well, we can't actually really plan for the photo shoot because we don't know when travel will be possible again, all of this, I realized, well, I just, I need to try and pull this together where I am and, you know, without the travel and, um, and see, you know, what resources are, you know, in, uh, well, I was in Reno, Nevada at that point. Um, and, you know, it, it ended up being this really lovely experience, you know, I'm sure, you know, the London photo shoot would have been too, but I was able to um, use local people, um, if you like, there was a, a friend of mine who runs a vintage clothing and furniture store in Reno, and I knew that she had done a lot of photo shoots and styling. And that she knew a lot of people I and mean, she'd lived there her whole life. And um, so I went to her and sort of said, OK, look, I think I need to try and do this photo shoot here. I, you know, help. <laughs> and um, and she she's a very relaxed person as well. Like she's just um, calm. And um, so it was exactly what I needed. And she she had a friend who was a photographer and she knew, you know, some models that she could ask. And she, yeah, she helped with uh, the styling. And so it was really thanks to her, um, Tessa, 
um, that that all came together, you know, the way it did. Um, and I'm really happy with, you know, how it all turned out in terms of the photos and everything. And the models were amazing. I mean, it was probably close to 100 degrees, um, whatever that is in Celsius, because I think in degrees now, but I don't know, 37, you know, Celsius or something like that um, when we did this photo shoot. But <laughs> but the models, yeah, they did not complain. They were admiring all the knitwear. And um, so, yeah, I feel really grateful that that, you know, could come together that way. And I think the hardest thing is that I've had to be patient, you know, like everybody else, you know, about things being delayed and I'm not a very patient person. Um, so it is kind of incredible to be at this stage and go, you know, a year ago, it was like, oh, everything's pushed back a year. Like that's, you know, that seems like such a long time, but, um, but here we are and, you know, it's, it's ready and, you know, people can pre-order it. It's, it's kind of amazing. So I'm, you know, I'm very, obviously very excited and keen to be sharing everything from it and you know talking about it and um because yeah i've sat on it for <laughs> for quite some time <laughs> yeah and it's exciting as as much as uh, there's been awful challenges this sort of this photo shoot does give a tribute to your problem solving in this scenario for this uh, I think I'm thinking of the amazing furniture in the photos there's like an amazing wicker chair with one of the models sat in yeah um, yeah, could you sort of talk a little bit more about the lots of logistics of the photo shoot, but the the styling process? Yeah, I mean, um, partly, I mean, even if I had come to London, it would have been a studio shoot, and we were still kind of going for that vintage, you know, retro vibe, but without being over the top with it in terms of the styling. Um, for uh, for the location in Reno, it was actually, well, it's sort of an event space now that used to be a garden center. So it's actually, it's kind of right by the river in Reno. Um, so there's a lot of greenery around it, but you know, these different sort of outdoor spaces that they use for weddings and, you know, things like that. So there were, um, there was already some of that furniture in place. Although I think that that big, um, they call peacock chairs, those big wicker chairs, um, I think that was a purchase that had come from the vintage store that my friend Tessa owns, um, which is just down the road. And like I said, she she knew all the players in the the photo shoot kind of collaboration there. So she knew the person who was running that space. And um, it just seemed like we would have, you know, an outdoor space that might have, we'd have options of different, you know, backgrounds and spaces and um foliage which um felt good you know in terms of some shade and things like that because other parts of Reno or the environs sort of right outside it can be very open and um very bright light because this was you know in the summertime and you know we were we were basically just kind of going for it because the dates worked for everybody you know at that point and yeah so that location was in a way an easy an easy spot to pick um and then Tessa was really the one who sort of did all the styling I kind of I brought we had two fittings um, with the models like in her store so some of the some of the clothing the other clothing that they're wearing you know did come from her store and then there were a few items that we brought over from from her store too just sort of to include in in the styling for um for the shoots 
and and a few yeah newer pieces you know for me I wanted kind of an overall look and color palette you know almost as well to sort of match in with the colors of the yarn and things like that that I had used and I feel like that has come together really nicely um and then also the fact that it is in this you know very kind of green botanically you know landscape um which is well I mean it can be Shetland there are trees here but it's not immediately what people think of but uh that kind of tied into other things that I was bringing into the book like my sister's um end paper sort of illustrations which are botanical and um and also a nod towards um our mum again because she um was a really great gardener you know and had you know always had amazing gardens and just a real talent for looking after plants which I didn't inherit that part but <laughs> um but yeah again you know I I feel like I owe thanks to Tessa for for that styling um because as you know like it's there's so much to think about you know during a photo shoot and for me I felt like well I have to just focus on you know making sure we get the shots of the knitwear so that people can really see the pieces and and what's going on there and sort of almost not worry too much about you know what the models were doing and leave that up to um to Tessa so it's always nice to have that other set of eyes doing that part wonderful and it, and it all works there's a lovely energy to the shoot I think there is that summer light I think it does sort of change the the feel and the colors of it. it does sort of tie together the whole color palette you're you're talking about with the the feel and look of the photos yeah well we encourage everyone to have a look at these photos they're all on the pom-pom blog obviously with all the the previews uh the patterns which is very exciting so as much as there's the knitwear which is an important part and the patterns of this book um there's also a lot of your own writing about the history and the process of how you uh, started Shetland Trader Heritage. You know, um, all of that that history and the, you know, the background of my mum running the business, um, you know, that is a big part, obviously, of what is in the book as well as the patterns. Um, you know, for those that are, are interested in that background information, you know, there's, um, there's text there talking about my mum's time um, running the business and my process, yes, working on the book and, um, and yeah, that that was a big part of putting the book together, you know, for me as well, which came after all the, you know, the samples were knit and all of that kind of thing. Um, and again, that was a time of just of just sitting down and focusing on that part. And again, sort of fully engaging with um, that time in my mum's life, you know. Um, and yeah, again, that was a special, special thing for me to do and include in the book. So we've loved hearing about uh, Shetland Trader Book 3, Heritage. I've got to say the full title because <laughs> it is so important. And we'd love to just sort of bookend this with asking you about what, what you're excited about at the moment. What, what fun thing can you recommend? It doesn't have to be craft or knitting related, but what's sort of, uh, yeah, setting you alight at the moment? You know, right now um, it is knitting related because um, I am going to go to Rhinebeck and um, I realized that like, obviously again, because of the pandemic, you know, it will be the first time sort of getting back together with certain people, you know, in the industry that I haven't seen in person um, and a chance to sort of actually do something in person in relation to the book as well, you know, signing the book and um, 
physically, you know, doing that in front of people and having the samples and everything. Um, I'm really excited about that. Um, I think, yeah, it's it's such a different, you know, it's great all the virtual stuff, of course, um, and it gives access to so many um, people. But um, because of sitting on, you know, this project for so long and, you know, only I have touched the samples really well, you know, aside from the models and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I'm kind of, I think that will be a really fun thing to sort of um, see people actually viewing them in person um, and getting, hopefully getting excited about knitting them and stuff too. Yeah. So I would say that's right now, that's the thing that I'm kind of, yeah, most excited about. That, that is an exciting thing and it's something wonderful to look forward to. I hope, uh, yeah, some other people who are listening can hopefully make the trip. And if not, there are other virtual things, you know, not quite as good. They can always uh, grab a ball of Shetland wool to yes. squish uh, in the meantime, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing more about this book with us, Gudrun. We're really excited uh, to, yeah, after all this time, get it out in the world, virtually and in, in real life. Thank you so much for joining us today from Shetland. Uh, it's really lovely to catch up with you. Well, we hope that you enjoyed listening to that interview as much as I believe Sophie enjoyed uh, being part of it. And thanks again to Gudrun and thanks to you uh, listeners for listening. And we're so glad to be back. We look forward to bringing you more Knit Chat in a couple of weeks. Thanks, everyone. Stay tuned and take care. Bye. Bye. Pompcast is produced by Lydia Gluck and Sophie Heathscott, along with the team at Pom Pom Quarterly Magazine. You can buy your copy of the magazine and subscribe too at our online shop. That's pompommag.com forward slash shop. Big thanks to Eli Block for creating the original music for this show and for being an essential part in creating this podcast. And thanks as well to Portmanteau Music for the tracks used in this episode. Thanks as always to Megan Fernandez, co-creator and editor of Pom Pom Quarterly. And also thanks to the whole Pom Pom team. You know who you are. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and why not leave a review? Send any feedback or ideas to podcast at pompommag.com and don't forget to keep in touch with us via the podcast group on the Pom Pom Ravelry Forum. We are podcasters. Go, go, go. (laughs)